Chapter Sixteen of Margaret Fuller, Marquesa Osoli, by Julia Ward Howe. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Margaret turns her face homeward. Last letter to her mother. The bark Elizabeth. Presages and omens. Death of the captain. Angelo's illness. The wreck. The long struggle. The end. Final estimate of Margaret's character return to her own country now lay immediately before margaret in the land of her adoption the struggle for freedom had failed and no human foresight could have predicted the period of its renewal europe had cried out like the sluggard on his bed you have waked me too soon i must slumber again margaret's delight in the new beauties and resources unfolded to her in various european countries and especially in italy had made the thought of this return unwelcome to her but now that free thought had become contraband in the beautiful land where should she carry her high-hearted hopes if not westward with the tide of the true empire that shall grow out of man's conquest of his own brute passions this holy westward way found of columbus broadened and brightened by the pilgrims and become an ocean highway for the nations of the earth lay open to her from its farther end came to her the loving voices of kindred and friends of youth there she a mother could show her babe and make her boast to a mother of her own there brothers trained to noble manhood through her care and labour could rise up to requite something of what they owed her there she could tell the story of her italy with the chance of a good hearing there where she had sown most precious seed in the field of the younger generations she would find some sheaves to bind for her own heart harvest and so the last days in florence came the vessel was chosen and the day of sailing fixed upon margaret's last letter addressed to her mother is dated on the fourteenth of may we read it now with a weight of sorrow which was hidden from her in the light of what afterwards took place it has the sweet solemnity of a greeting sent from the borders of another world florence may fourteenth eighteen fifty i will believe i shall be welcome with my treasures my husband and child for me i long so much to see you should anything hinder our meeting upon earth think of your daughter as one who always wished at least to do her duty and one who always cherished you according as her mind opened to discover excellence give dear love too to my brothers and first to my eldest faithful friend eugene a sister's love to ellen love to my kind and good aunts and to my dear cousin e god bless them i hope we shall be able to pass some time together yet in this world but if god decrees otherwise here and hereafter my dearest mother your loving child margaret who is there that reads twice a sorrowful story without entertaining an unreasonable hope that its ending may change in the reperusal so does one return to the fate of paul and virginia so to that of the bride of lammermoor so even in the wild tragedy of othello seen for the hundredth time one still sees a way of escape for the victim still in imagination implores her to follow it and when repeated representation has made assurance doubly sure 
we yield to the mandate which none can resist once issued and say it was to be this unreasonable struggle renews itself within us as we follow the narrative of margaret's departure for her native land why did she choose a merchant vessel from leghorn why one which was destined to carry in its hold the heavy marble of power's greek slave she was warned against this was uncertain in her own mind and disturbed by presages of ill but economy was very necessary to her at the moment the vessel chosen the bark elizabeth was new strong and ably commanded margaret had seen and made friends with the captain hasty by name and his wife horace sumner was to be their fellow-passenger and a young italian girl celeste paolini engaged to help in the care of the little boy these considerations carried the day just before leaving florence margaret received letters the tenor of which would have enabled her to remain longer in italy ossoli remembered the warning of a fortune-teller who in his childhood had told him to beware of the sea margaret wrote of omens which gave her a dark feeling she had a vague expectation of some crisis she knows not what and this year eighteen fifty had long appeared to her a period of pause in the ascent of life a point at which she should stand as on a plateau and take more clear and commanding views than ever before she prays fervently that she may not lose her boy at sea either by unsolaced illness or amid the howling waves or if so that osoli angelo and i may go together and that the anguish may be brief these presentiments strangely prophetic returned upon margaret with so much force that on the very day appointed for sailing the seventeenth of may she stood at bay before them for an hour unable to decide whether she should go or stay but she had appointed a general meeting with her family in july and had positively engaged her passage in the bark fidelity to these engagements prevailed with her she may have felt too the danger of being governed by vague forebodings which shunning death in one form often invited in another and so in spite of fears and omens too well justified in the sequel she went on board and the voyage began in smooth tranquillity the first days at sea passed quietly enough the boy played on the deck or was carried about by the captain margaret and her husband suffered little inconvenience from seasickness and were soon walking together in the limited space of their floating home but presently the good captain fell ill with smallpox of a malignant type on june third the bark anchored off gibraltar the commander breathed his last and was accorded a seaman's burial in the sea here the ship suffered a detention of some days from unfavorable winds but on the ninth was able to proceed on her way and two days later angelo showed symptoms of the dreadful disease which visited him severely his eyes were closed his head swollen his body disfigured by the accompanying eruption margaret and osoli strangers to the disease hung over their darling and nursed him so tenderly that he was in due time restored not only to health but also to his baby beauty so much prized by his mother margaret wrote from gibraltar describing the captain's illness and death 
and giving a graphic picture of his ocean funeral she did not at the time foresee angelo's illness but knew that he might easily have taken the infection relieved from this painful anxiety the routine of the voyage re-established itself osoli and sumner continued to instruct each other in their respective languages the baby became the pet and delight of the sailors margaret was busy with her book on italy but found time to soothe and comfort the disconsolate widow of the captain after her own availing fashion thus passed the summer days at sea on thursday july eighteenth the elizabeth was off the jersey coast in thick weather the wind blowing east of south the former mate was now the captain wishing to avoid the coast he sailed east-northeast thinking presently to take a pilot and to pass sandy hook by favor of the wind at night he promised his passengers an early arrival in new york they retired to rest in good spirits having previously made all the usual preparations for going on shore by nine o'clock that evening the breeze had become a gale by midnight a dangerous storm the commander casting the lead from time to time was without apprehension having it is supposed mistaken his locality and miscalculated the speed of the vessel which under close-reefed sails was nearing the sandbars of long island here on fire island beach she struck at four o'clock on the morning of july nineteenth the main and mizzenmasts were promptly cut away but the heavy marble had broken through the hold and the waters rushed in the bow of the vessel struck fast in the sand her stern swung around and she lay with her broadside exposed to the breakers which swept over her with each returning rise a wreck to be saved by no human power the passengers sprang from their berths aroused by the dreadful shock and guessing but too well its import then came the crash of the falling masts the roar of the waves as they shattered the cabin's skylight and poured down into the cabin extinguishing the lights these features of the moment are related as recalled by mrs hasty sole survivor of the passengers one scream only was heard from margaret's stateroom mrs hasty and horace sumner met in the cabin and clasped hands we must die was his exclamation let us die calmly said the resolute woman i hope so answered he the leeward side of the cabin was already under water but its windward side still gave shelter and here for three hours the passengers took refuge their feet braced against the long table the baby shrieked as well he might with the sudden fright the noise and chill of the water but his mother wrapped him as warmly as she could and in her agony cradled him on her bosom and sang him to sleep the girl celeste was beside herself with terror and here we find recorded a touching trait of osoli who soothed her with encouraging words and touched all hearts with his fervent prayer in the calm of resignation they now sat conversing with each other devising last messages to friends to be given by any one of them who might survive the wreck the crew had retired to the top-gallant forecastle, and the passengers, hearing nothing of them, supposed them to have left the ship. By seven o'clock it became evident that the cabin could not hold together much longer, and Mrs. Hasty, 
looking from the door for some way of escape saw a figure standing by the foremast the space between being constantly swept by the waves she tried in vain to make herself heard but the mate davis coming to the door of the forecastle saw her and immediately ordered the men to go to her assistance so great was the danger of doing this that only two of the crew were willing to accompany him the only refuge for the passengers was now in the forecastle which from its position and strength of construction would be likely to resist longest the violence of the waves by great effort and coolness the mate and his two companions reached the cabin and rescued all in it from the destruction so nearly impending mrs hasty was the first to make the perilous attempt she was washed into the hatchway and besought the brave davis to leave her to her fate but he otherwise minded caught her long hair between his teeth and with true seaman's craft saved her and himself angelo was carried across in a canvas bag hung to the neck of a sailor reaching the forecastle they found a dry and sheltered spot and wrapped themselves in the sailor's loose jackets for a little warmth and comfort the mate three times revisited the cabin to bring thence various valuables for mrs hasty and margaret and last of all a bottle of wine and some figs that these weary ones might break their fast margaret now spoke to mrs hasty of something still left behind more valuable than money she would not however ask the mate to expose his life again it is supposed that her words had reference to the manuscript of her work on italy from their new position through the spray and rain they could see the shore some hundreds of yards off men were seen on the beach but there was nothing to indicate that an attempt would be made to save them at nine o'clock it was thought that some one of the crew might possibly reach the shore by swimming and once there make some effort to send them aid two of the sailors succeeded in doing this horace sumner sprang after them but sank unable to struggle with the waves a last device was that of a plank with handles of rope attached upon which the passengers in turn might seat themselves while a sailor swimming behind should guide their course mrs hasty young and resolute led the way in this experiment the stout mate helping her and landing her out of the very jaws of death and here we fall back into that bootless wishing of which we spoke a little while ago oh that margaret had been willing that the same means should be employed to bring her and hers to land again and again to the very last moment she was urged to try this way of escape uncertain but the only one it was all in vain margaret would not be separated from her dear ones doubtless she continued for a time to hope that some assistance would reach them from the shore the lifeboat was even brought to the beach but no one was willing to man her and the delusive hope aroused by her appearance was soon extinguished the day wore on the tide turned the wreck would not outlast its return the commanding officer made one last appeal to margaret before leaving his post to stay he told her was certain and speedy death as the ship must soon break up 
he promised to take her child with him and to give celeste osole and herself each the aid of an able seaman margaret still refused to be parted from child or husband the crew were then told to save themselves and all but four jumped overboard the commander and several of the seamen reached the shore in safety though not without wounds and bruises by three o'clock in the afternoon the breaking up was well in progress cabin and stern disappeared beneath the waves and the forecastle filled with water the little group now took refuge on the deck and stood about the foremast three able-bodied seamen remained with them and one old sailor homeward bound for good and all the deck now parted from the hull and rose and fell with the sweep of the waves the final crash must come in a few minutes the steward now took angelo in his arms promising to save him or die at this very moment the foremast fell and with it disappeared the deck and those who stood on it the steward and the child were washed ashore soon after dead though not yet cold the two italians celeste and osoli held for a moment by the rigging but were swept off by the next wave margaret last seen at the foot of the mast in her white night-dress with her long hair hanging about her shoulders is thought to have sunk at once two others cook and carpenter were able to save themselves by swimming and might alas have saved her had she been minded to make the attempt what strain of the heroic in her mind overcame the natural instinct to do and dare all upon the chance of saving her own life and those so dear to her we shall never know no doubt the separation involved in any such attempt appeared to her an abandonment of her husband and child resting in this idea she could more easily nerve herself to perish with them than to part from them she and the babe were feeble creatures to be thrown upon the mercy of the waves even with the promised aid her husband young and strong was faithful unto death and would not leave her both of them with fervent belief regarded death as the entrance to another life and surely upon its very threshold sought to do their best so we must end our questioning and mourning concerning them with a silent acquiescence in what was to be a friend of margaret who visited the scene on the day after the catastrophe was persuaded that seven resolute men could have saved every soul on board the vessel through the absence of proper system and discipline the lifeboat though applied for early on the morning of the wreck did not arrive until one o'clock in the afternoon when the sea had become so swollen by the storm that it was impossible to launch it one hopes but scarcely believes that this state of things has been amended before this time the bodies of margaret and her husband were never found that of angelo was buried at fire island with much mourning on the part of the surviving sailors whose pet and playmate he had been it was afterwards removed to the cemetery at mount auburn where beneath a marble monument which commemorates the life and death of his parents and his own he alone lies buried the only one of margaret's treasures that ever reached the country of her birth death gives an unexpected completeness to the view of individual character 
the secret of a noble life is only fully unfolded when its outward envelope has met the fate of all things perishable and so the mournful tragedy just recounted set its seal upon a career whose endeavour and achievement the world is bound to hold dear when all that could be known of margaret was known it became evident that there was nothing of her which was not heroic in intention nothing which truly interpreted could turn attention from a brilliant exterior to meaner traits allowed and concealed that she had faults we need not deny nor that like other human beings she needs must have said and done at times what she might afterwards have wished to have better said better done but as an example of one who gifted with great powers aspired only to their noblest use who able to rule sought rather to counsel and to help she deserves a place in the highest niche of her country's affection as a woman who believed in women her word is still an evangel of hope and inspiration to her sex her heart belonged to all of god's creatures and most to what is noblest in them gray-headed men of to-day the happy companions of her youth grow young again while they speak of her one of these who is also one of her earlier biographers still recalls her as the greatest soul he ever knew such a word spoken with the weight of ripe wisdom and long experience may fitly indicate to posterity the honor and reverence which belong to the memory of margaret fuller End of chapter sixteen